Good morning. I want to wish a uh, happy Father's Day to the dads and the grandpas that are among us today. We certainly thank the Lord for the men within our church family, and I hope today that, that you are honored, that you're appreciated and prayed for as, uh, as we enjoy this day together. Also, I'd like to welcome back those who were in youth camp this last week, the students and the, uh, the chaperones, the sponsors that went with them. Uh, we're sure glad to have you back safe, and from what I've heard, it was a tremendous week, and we thank God for, uh, for all that he provided for them over that time. We are going to uh, have another group of students heading out very soon on a mission trip to Evanston, Illinois, and we had hoped to be able to commission them today. You'll see it in the bulletin. We, didn't, uh, quite able, we weren't able to, uh, to pull that together for this morning uh, based upon some of the schedules, but we, uh, we did want you to know that that's happening and be praying for them as uh, they make plans to leave later in the week, and hopefully we'll have more details about that for you next Sunday. Well, we are taking the summer months to pursue God's wisdom together from the book of Proverbs. I invite your attention back to chapter 1 where we left off last week. And uh, uh, while you're turning there, I'll share with you that, uh, that we know that there are Proverbs and sayings that, uh, that come from uh, many different cultures. Many different uh, people have put together statements and sayings to help, uh, to help people uh, communicate uh, truth about different life circumstances, and I came across several. Some of them you may have uh, heard before, uh, and some of them might be new to you. I read that one comes as an old Irish proverb. It says, you will never plow a field if you only turn it over in your mind. A Chinese proverb, give a man a fish, and you've heard this one, and you feed him for a day. Teach a man to fish, and you feed him for a lifetime. So these are proverbs that are, that are meant to instruct, meant to help people think about, uh, about life. Uh, one in France says, a lie travels round the world while truth is still putting her boots on. There was an English proverb that said, don't, don't sell the skin until you catch the bear, which I think is similar to ours that goes, don't count your chickens before they hatch, right? Another one that uh, is from our culture, don't judge a book by its cover. Look before you leap. No man is an island. Keep your friends close. <laughs> okay, you guys heard that one too. Well, those give us a little insight about life, don't they? People are, are looking for, for direction, looking for guidance and and uh, we have an opportunity to look to God's Word, to receive Proverbs that, unlike the ones we just read, are divinely inspired, that God uh, felt like we needed to have preserved for us in His Word. And so we, we look at these Proverbs over the summer to look to the wisdom of God, and we ask Him to, to give us a picture of what it looks like to live life with wisdom. We looked at several definitions last week for wisdom, and one of them is wisdom is the art of skillful living. And we noted that it's, it's one thing to accumulate knowledge or information, but it's an entirely different thing to actually have wisdom. In fact, we said last week that, that someone can have a lot of knowledge and yet still live life very foolishly. And so there is some skill here in being able to apply what one knows into everyday life that is much different than just getting facts or data. Last Sunday, we were in 
uh, chapter 1, and we looked, in fact, our, the last verse we looked at was verse 7, which is a key verse for all of the Proverbs. And uh, it says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And we noted that that verse was not only found in verse 7 of chapter 1, it was also found in chapter 9, verse 10. Very similarly stated, it says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is insight. The first nine chapters of Proverbs is the first main section that, that speak about wisdom, pursuing wisdom, valuing wisdom, listening to wisdom. And then from chapter 10 through 31, there are many specific examples, many different uh, proverbs, sometimes two lines, sometimes three lines, that give these statements that help fulfill what it means to receive God's wisdom. So we begin again where we left off with the fear of the Lord. We, we touched on this last week, and I, would not, I'm not, I won't spend as much time this morning, but would uh, uh, if, if you weren't with us, I would recommend that you'd go back and, and listen to last week's message, at least the section on the fear of the Lord, because that is, the, that is really the key for receiving God's wisdom. That is the key. That's why at the very beginning of the book, it says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge or the beginning of wisdom. What is the fear of the Lord? How can we love the Lord and yet also have this, this fear that the Bible speaks of multiple times? Uh, the fear of the Lord may be something that, that could be confusing to us. We said last week that fear can also can, can sometimes be understood as a reverence or an awe or a submission. But we know that fear also can encompass punishment and judgment. And so trying to balance that out through the eyes of the cross to see how do we look to the Heavenly Father with a healthy fear of God. The fear of the Lord is one's perspective of Him, a right relationship with Him. We said last week that love for God and fear of Him are not at all incompatible, but that being a God-fearing person means to be in a posture of dependency, in a place where we recognize who He is and what we need, that we need Him, that we are dependent upon Him at work, what He can provide. It speaks to a humility before him, a recognition of when we are apart from God, how desperately we need him. So it's in the posture of humility that we are ready to receive God's wisdom. But if we are full of pride, if we are full of ourselves, if we're full of only our own ideas, not willing to listen to him, we're not ready to receive wisdom. That's why Proverbs 3 says in verse 7, be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. In fact, there's several verses. You can go even into the book of Isaiah to see a warning that's similar to not be wise in your own eyes. And if we would all be real honest this morning, we can recognize that, that that's the temptation, isn't it? The temptation is to, to, to see it our way. The temptation is to think that, that we, have, we have it figured out, that we don't have a need for others and at times, if we would be honest, even the Lord, to give to us His wisdom. But then we go through one of those seasons where we're reminded that we don't have all the answers. Have you been through one of those seasons? Have you been to that point of brokenness? That point where you realize, no, I need 
God. I am dependent upon Him. I need His wisdom to, to guide me, to light the way for me. And so this is where this idea of, 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 a, of a right posture, a humble posture before the Lord, understands that we are to fear Him in a healthy way. Understanding His greatness, understanding His glory, having that respect, but also understanding that He is one who does punish sin and one who is, is worthy of fear from that perspective as well. This is the foundation for wisdom, putting us in a position to receive His, his teaching. Here's where the fear of the Lord comes in. Let me, let me put two phrases on the screen for you. Think about the difference between one who speaks of the reality of God versus the responsibility to God. Do you see the difference between those? Now, obviously, to, to get to the point where you understand that we each have a responsibility to God, we have to at least affirm the, the, the top one, that, there is a re, that, that God is real, that He exists. But how many people stop with a profession of a belief that God exists, but don't get to the point where they understand their responsibility to Him. Do you see the difference there? The distinction is, is, is very, very critical. That we would realize that underneath the fear of the Lord, that yes, He does exist, but, but He's the Creator. And I have a responsibility to the way that I live my life before Him. And that's for all people, but specifically for those who have trusted Him as Savior. So this is the foundation. This is what puts us in a position to receive the wisdom of God. So we can spend all summer looking at different proverbs and different themes and seeing how God's work to speaks to all these different areas of life. But it all begins with a proper, a proper position before Him understanding who he is, being willing to, to have a teachable spirit, a heart ready to receive what he has, and then from there being able to put into practice his wisdom. And what's great about all of this in God's economy is that when we live in a way to receive his wisdom, it's not only for his glory, but you know what else happens? It's also for our good. And can I add for our joy? and for our protection. So oftentimes we, as humans, we look at, at the way God is leading, and, and, and from our own perspective, we might say, that, that's a boundary that, that I don't want to be put in. That's, that's a limitation that I don't want to have in my life. But God created us. God created this world. And in wisdom, oftentimes He's protecting with His guidance. He's giving us a blessing, even in those situations where we feel that our freedom is being limited. And yet, it's for our good. It's for His glory, but also for our blessing as well. We could spend even more time on verse 7. I know we did last week, but let's keep pressing on as we, uh, as we look at the next verses. We're going to see, secondly, the way of the Lord. And we'll pick up in verse 8. It says, Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and forsake not your mother's teaching. For they are a great graceful garland for your head and pendants for your neck. So you see the imagery there of, of one who is adorned with the, 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 the teaching, the instruction of the parents 
It's very fitting today for us to be looking at the book of Proverbs because we said King Solomon wrote the book of Proverbs and he addressed it to his son. And over and over again are the, 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 the phrase, my son, is used. In fact, 24 times within the 31 chapters. And so throughout the book, we see the teaching that's given to his son that obviously applies to daughters, that applies to everyone. But, uh, but we see that close connection there in the father uh, and child relationship. If anyone is reading the New King James Version, it might read just a little different. It says, My son, hear the instruction of your father, and do not forsake the law of your mother. And I read that uh, years ago when I was reading through the New King James Version. I thought, you know, that, that makes a lot of sense. The dad gives the instruction, and the mother lays down the law, right? Was it that way when you were growing up? So here we are at the beginning of the book of Proverbs seeing that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and immediately, what's the very next theme that comes in? But the relationship of parents with children. Because God, in His providence, wanted children to have wisdom communicated from one generation to the next. And here, He inspired Solomon to write this book. In fact, it speaks a lot about training there's a proverb, Proverbs 22, verse 6. Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. And we said last week that Proverbs were principles, not promises. We know that there are certainly children that have grown up and have been given uh, the instruction and the training and the way to go, but they reject it. They rebel against it. And so we, we know that this is a principle that is also very true, that if someone takes heed the wisdom of their parents and the wisdom of the Lord at a young age, can it bless them their entire life? Absolutely. Think of, 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 of the pitfalls that they can be saved from and the blessings that they can experience because they receive the wisdom of God at a young age. The idea of training was used to refer to training a tree or maybe in a vineyard to make sure that the, that the tree or the plant was growing in the right direction. In fact, sometimes there would be stakes that would be placed alongside the tree to give it support and to help it grow in the right direction. Maybe you've done that with, with plants that you, have, that you have put in the ground or trees that you've planted. I was talking with someone this morning that uh, on the way in, uh, I noticed that there were a couple of small trees along the side of the road that had been blown over last night uh, with the storms that came through. Did you know we had some storms that came through? <laughs> yeah. They came through, and, and these, these little trees were knocked over in the storm. What did the trees need? They needed something there to stabilize them. They needed some stakes in the ground next to them to support and strengthen their, the, uh, their, their small stature. And it's a picture of what parents are to be and grandparents are to be for the younger generation. To come alongside and, and give them stability. To place within their life things that will, that, will, that will strengthen them. Because the storms of life will come, won't they? And when the storms come, and it begins to blow against that life, if they don't have those structures in place, if they don't have that, that strength, it can be very devastating to see the effects of the storm. So this is what Proverbs is all about, helping us gain wisdom, helping parents and grandparents prepare the next generation 
to live a wise life. Train up a child in the way he should go. Now, there's a lot of ways that a person can go in life. What is the way that a, sh- a child should go? The way he should go. We're thinking about training. We're thinking about guidance. We're thinking about instructing. And what we're to do is put the stakes down next to the tree to do all we can to ensure that the children are ready. But we're also helping them to identify the Lord's wisdom, to see as, as one looks over the, the framework of life and to be able to understand where the wise principles can be found, where wisdom can be found. The way of the Lord is, of course, wisdom. That's what this entire book is about. And it has been that way from the beginning. In fact, if you'd like, turn over to chapter 8 for just a minute. We're just going to be there for a couple minutes. But there's an interesting explanation of wisdom. We said that the first 10 chapters were really a, uh, an invitation to receive wisdom, an explanation of what wisdom is all about, hearing wisdom's voice and responding, recognizing the value of wisdom. Well, here, wisdom speaks and says that it was there when God created the world and goes into to, to a, a great uh, detail about, about, this, uh, uh, about the presence of wisdom. Let's pick up in verse 22. The Lord possessed me, meaning wisdom, at the beginning of his work, the first of his acts of old. So just, just to make sure we see what's happening here, wisdom is speaking and saying, when God created the world, the first of his acts, I was there with him. Ages ago, verse 23, I was set up at the first, before the beginning of the earth, when there were no depths, I was brought forth, when there were no springs abounding with water, before the mountains had been shaped, before the hills, I was brought forth. He goes on to speak about the fields and the heavens, the the dust of the world, the face of the deep, the skies above. When he assigned, verse 29, the sea to its limit so that the waters might not transgress his command. When he marked out the foundations of the earth, then I was beside him like a master workman, and I was daily his delight, rejoicing before him always. What are we seeing here? That God created the world in wisdom. That there is a pattern There is is a a fabric that's been woven throughout creation. This is not something that was random, not something that was happenstance. God, in his wisdom, created the world very specifically. Not a random accident, but based on wisdom. Pastor Tim Keller makes this application. He said, if God created the world according to wisdom, then there is a fabric or a pattern to all of reality. It's not random. There's a pattern to all of it. Here's an example. We know that there is a pattern. There are laws that govern physical reality. I know that we have many in our church that work for a company called Boeing. Boeing builds airplanes. Boeing and other things, I'm sure, but Boeing understands 
aerodynamics. And many of you that, that work there, you could come up and you could talk about aerodynamics. And you could give insight into the principles or the pattern, the fabric that is there to make that happen. It's not just happenstance, right, when the airplane begins to take off. There are principles that come behind that. That's the reality of the pattern, the rules, the physical criteria. And if we disregard those rules of aerodynamics, what happens? It's a catastrophe, isn't it? Well, think about this. Do you think that within the pattern of God's creation that there are other patterns that also exist? Obviously, we could look at many within the physical world, but what about the relational world? Are there, is there a pattern between the way we are to, to get along with one another, the way that, that we are to relate to one another? There are principles there. Otherwise, if we don't live in accordance with them, the relationships will do what? They'll crash too. Well, what about spiritual reality? You see, there's, there's, there's something to the fact that God created a pattern in this sphere as well. And if we don't understand with wisdom what God has created there for us to pursue, what happens to the spiritual life? It crashes. So here we see in Proverbs chapter 8 that wisdom was there at the beginning as things were being established, not in a happenstance way, but in a, in a very deliberate, planned way. God put this world into motion. Now we know that foolishness would be, then be going against that structure, going against that pattern. And so any time that God has put a pattern into his creation and we choose to live in a way that, is, that goes against that pattern, you can just think of the picture of the airplane because that's exactly what happens. There's a breakdown. There's a catastrophe. And so throughout the, the book of, of Proverbs, we will be identifying his wisdom. But I also think as, as we consider the idea of training, the idea of coming alongside young people, the next generation, and helping them to get a, a, a perspective of God's wisdom, that we, would, that we would put within their minds the idea that God has created order in all of these different areas. And those of you that are, that are scientists and, and other professions, you could come and you could speak to it in, in some of these realms. But his wisdom also applies into the patterns that he's established in other parts of life as well. And this involves us as a church speaking to the wisdom of God's ways. But it also involves warning. We live in a society that is filled with warnings. Every time we, we turn around, we see something else that we're being warned about. In fact, I was reminded that, that uh, all you have to do is pick up a product that you purchase, and if you look carefully on the packaging, in most cases, you will find a warning. You know why? Wait, why do you think they put the warnings there? Lawsuits, that's what I was thinking too, yeah. Maybe they really care and they want to make sure no one gets hurt, right? But, but, but maybe it's lawsuits as well. But those are the warnings. I, I read about several of them. There was a, an iron, a clothes iron, and in its box, uh, on the side of the box, there was a warning that said, do not iron clothes on body. <laughs> if you needed that warning, you might not need to be operating that thing, right? 
Here's one that was put on children's cough medicine. Children's cough medicine. Do not drive a car or operate machinery after taking this medication. How many construction accidents may happen with these children operating heavy equipment? I don't know. On a sleep aid, it says, warning, may cause drowsiness. <laughs> On a child's Superman costume, and I quote, wearing this garment does not enable you to fly. <laughs> On a chainsaw, do not attempt to stop the chain with your hands. <laughs> There's probably a lawsuit behind that one. I don't know. Maybe, maybe someone did it. All right, last one. On a bottle of Palmolive dishwashing liquid, do not use on food. <laughs> hey, Dad, we're out of waffle syrup. <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. Just grab the Palmolive. It's right by the, right by the sink, right? Gee whiz. All right, well, warnings. We live with warnings that we don't always heed warnings. But what do we find in the first chapter of Proverbs but a warning? Look with me at verse, beginning in verse 10. There is a warning of another way. And uh, what Solomon does here is he presents a hypothetical group of people that he's telling his son might come along. And when this group comes along, they may try to bring him their direction to think the way they think, to act the way they act. And so Solomon, in his wisdom... Is, is speaking about a hypothetical situation in order to protect his child from going, not the way of the Lord, but another way. Look at verse 10. My son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. If they say, come with us, let us lie and wait for blood. Let us ambush the innocent without reason. So what this particular situation is thinking of, 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 of robbing someone, taking advantage of someone, talking about plundering their goods. Verse 15, my son, do not walk in the way with them. Hold back your foot from their paths, for their feet run to evil, and they make haste to shed blood. So we see that, yes, there is a way of the Lord, but there's also another way, or, an, or, or many other ways, plural, that we see are out there. So here is a father, a parent, warning a child about the ways of the world in terms of the world's beliefs and behavior. Our children need to understand that, yes, moral principles guide the decision-making process, to know in advance before the situation arises. Oftentimes we can know the answer. For us to prepare them by telling them that there will be a day where they are going to be attracted to go against the way of the Lord. And we can prepare them so that they can see it coming. It's kind of like when we board an airplane. If you think about it, there's a lot of instruction given in the airplane, isn't there? And I know that, uh, that oftentimes... If you've ridden in airplanes many times, you begin to do what when the, when the stewardess stands up to, to tell you all the warnings? You just begin to tune it out and think about something else, right? 
But you can always tell when someone's new to flying because they're, they're, they're listening to every word, right? They want to know what to do in case of an emergency. Well, all of that talk, for the most part, is a hypothetical situation that if we lose cabin pressure, if we have a landing or a crash into the water, if we do this, then we do that, and then they have booklets about it. What are those? They're all warnings about a hypothetical situation. And so Solomon begins the book of Proverbs by bringing one out and bringing it to the attention of his child so that he can be prepared for the things that are to come. Well, as we close, let's think that there are more than just this one hypothetical situation. More than just one series here to be thinking about and instructing and in training and in warning. And let's face it, these come with very high stakes. The life that, that one chooses to live, either following the way of the Lord or the ways of the world, brings about a lot of a lot of uh, heartache. It brings about a lot of, of pain, a lot of disaster. Throughout the book of Proverbs, we're going to see practical instruction on things like how to choose the right friends, how to be a productive worker, how to handle money. But we're also going to see that throughout the book of Proverbs, there are also warnings. Warnings about things like sexual temptation, and immorality. Warnings against things like the dangers of alcohol and against pride. So there's a combination throughout the book of Proverbs of, of teaching to go this direction and warnings not to go these other directions. And through that, what do we begin to see? We see a fabric or a pattern of God's wisdom being put before us that we can attach ourselves to and to pursue and listen to as we live life each day. When we listen to his wisdom, we are kept away from many of the tragedies of a life lived apart from his way. Let me close with a story that was told by a man named Don Myers. And he was writing uh, in a book about a situation that involved his three-year-old grandson. And uh, he's writing about uh, these children that are out next to a boat dock. And uh, the three-year-old was there with uh, his five-year-old brother and his 12-year-old cousin. They're, they're playing right there on the boat dock. And, and a couple of them go into the boat, and the little three-year-old tries to get into the boat, but he wasn't able to make it, and he slipped between the dock and the boat. Just a, a parent's worst nightmare, right? Well, they, the cousin and the brother start hollering, the dad comes running, the little boy's nowhere to be found, he goes in for the, to, to the water looking for him, doesn't see him, comes back up for air, goes back down again, and this time spots the little three-year-old holding on to the, the, the post of the boat dock underwater. And he, he takes the little boy and, and he, he brings him up. And Don Myers says that it's a, it's a reminder to him that sometimes there are people holding on, clinging to life, just as that little boy was clinging to that pier post, waiting, waiting for help. In this case, it was the little boy's father that came to help. For us, we have people all around us, a whole community, not to mention our families and the next generation within our church, but we have a whole community of people 
who are living life apart from God's wisdom. And here we've been planted in this place, joined together by by God's providence to take his gospel, to speak of Jesus Christ being the true wisdom of God, wisdom personified in the flesh for us to be the ones that can seek out those who are waiting for someone to give them wisdom and guidance, not only for this life, but we know that God's wisdom is also meant for the life that is yet to come. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we give you thanks that you are a God of wisdom. We thank you that you loved us enough to share with us the truth that would benefit us. That you even gave your Son to be that bridge between you and us, that we might know you and follow you to pursue your ways, which are your wisdom. Father, we pray that throughout this summer as we read through and study the book of Proverbs, that you will give us insight, that your Holy Spirit will enlighten these words, that we may be able to live in a way that would bring glory to you, but that would also be for our benefit, that would help the next generation around us and the community that you've placed us in to also hear words of wisdom that may help them in their everyday life. So we thank you, Father, again for your many provisions. We ask that you would help us to be in a posture of humility as a church family, ready to listen to you, ready to submit ourselves to you, ready to reject the temptations that this world offers us in the many different paths that we may be tempted to go down. And Father, may we have the strength in the Lord that we sang about today that would tether us to your word. And God, may it be something that impacts the boys and girls of our church family, the children and grandchildren among us, that on this Father's Day that we could also think of them and think of our influence, your influence upon their lives. So God, again, we recognize our need for you, our dependency upon you to to guide and direct our steps. And so we pray, Lord, for this wisdom. We pray for this, this pursuit, that it would be real in the individuals and in the the families and in this congregation today. Lord, may you continue to be honored in our time of worship today, even as we give back to you. We pray that you will take the tithes and offerings today. May you use them for your glory in our community and around this world. For we pray this in Christ's name and all of God's people said.